You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today, Barry Foy. He's one of the founders of Gentleman Smugglers. We're going to talk about kind of the history of cannabis. We're going to talk about the world of cannabis, some products. Barry has some really interesting background, and they're doing some really interesting work to really bring some unique products with a very unique and interesting story uh, to the world of cannabis. I think this is a fascinating area of the world right now in the cannabis space, just because brands and you know how people relate to products is is going to be huge, particularly as the market expands. So excited to have this conversation, excited to hear the story in detail and, and hear what Barry and his co-founders are up to with Gentleman Smugglers. So with all that, Barry, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce, uh, for having me, and uh, it's a pleasure to uh, be here. I think it's going to be an exciting 30 minutes or so, and uh, I'm I'm kind of ready to get going with your questions for sure, because I know you got quite a few. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, you know, before we dig into Gentleman's Focus today and what you guys are doing with kind of the current world of cannabis, you have a really interesting backstory in terms of involvement. Give us kind of the summary without giving away all the details. And I know people are going to want to read all the media and and see the content that you have out there that really kind of tells the details. But give us a sketch. Like, what is the background story for Gentleman Smugglers? Well, of course, Gentleman Smugglers comes from a long line of adventures, so to speak, that we went on as the Gentleman Smugglers uh, during the 70s and 80s. Of course, I went to prison for that on the war on drugs. We were one of the first uh, groups that Ronnie Reagan and Nancy uh, wanted to take down, so to speak, because I think Nancy was always kind of part of that. You know, she was the big just say, uh-huh. no. you know, yep. that that worked really well. And <laughs> not being sarcastic, but uh, <laughs> Ronnie came in, you know, and went after us. And I think when the federal government goes after you, I don't care when it was, the 70s, 80s, today, they're a tough bunch to um, stay ahead of. Yeah. So we did it for 14 years. Yeah. And so I went to prison for about 11 years, been out since 95. It's uh-huh. way behind me. Yeah. Obviously, that's a long time Yeah, in the past. And working on a documentary about the gentleman smugglers and about the days in the cannabis business, the uh, early days of the more of a mass kind of cannabis thing that started yeah. in the 60s with Mexico and evolved into the 70s and 80s and so forth with uh, really Colombian and Jamaican and weed from pot from those countries uh, supplied most of the United States back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now we're working on a documentary about that. And in doing so, we decided that something that we could really put our hands around and understand and, and maybe have an impact uh, more so than 
a Hollywood role, so to speak, would be our own brand, our own cannabis brand that we could control. We could we could grow. We're in charge of it. We can raise money. We can do this. And so we kind of morphed into the brand side from the doc side, if you will, go up a back doorway and maybe get in around back around to the documentary. Yeah, which is still active, but entertainment business is very difficult. And you're talking about stars aligning. Yeah. And so um, it kind of brought us a couple of years ago to start working on the brand. We just launched the brand in Massachusetts in September. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Great reception. The story really resonates with so many people. The name, and I was just out in Las Vegas for yeah. the, yeah, the show. Yes, yeah. Yeah, sir. About the third or fourth time I've been. I love it. Anybody in the cannabis business has got to go. I'm sure you've been. Uh-huh. While I was out there, I had my name tag on, you know, that you carry around with you at the expo. And so many people came up to me and they'd be looking, and it took me a minute to figure out what they were doing. They were looking at gentlemen smugglers on my tag. And they're going, oh, God, what is that? We love that name. And I would go into the spiel. It's a brand, et cetera. But so many people have have really um, liked, and and it's a catchy name, that it, gentlemen smugglers. And uh, it's just been a, it's been quite a ride. And I was very impressed with the reception I got in Las Vegas. Been very impressed with the reception I've received in Massachusetts. Just a friendly bunch of folks up there. Yeah. And me being from the South, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, my antenna's out for friendliness. You know, <laughs> it's when you're in the North. Oh, exactly. I'm like, well, I lived in New York City back in the day, and I, you know, New no, York City. a little City, different. A <laughs> little different, but Mass was great. And uh, I, I, I love the people there, and I've, I've kind of, um, it's kind of like my second home right now. I, I've been doing a lot of pop ups in this uh-huh. country. And so there I'm able to meet the customer. I'm able to interact with the uh, customer. And so many of those people as well are just intrigued with the story. Um, I, it's funny. I bought a, we bought a case of books. I think we bought 25 books, Operation Jackpot. Uh-huh. And took them with me the last couple of weeks that I've been up in Mass doing pop-ups. They're all gone. Okay. I mean, there was a lot of people wanting to the book, and I just yeah. ran out of them. I signed them all, ran out. I, bud tenders, owners, customers. Oh, sure. Yeah, and so it was really um, it was it's been exciting, uh, and that's kind of how we got around to the gentleman smugglers, and I think it's gonna, I think it's just gonna grow very quickly. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Lots of questions. Right, let me go back to the beginning. Like, why why did you get involved in cannabis in the beginning? Was this uh, love of the plant? Was this financial motive? Like, what? Why get involved in cannabis trafficking? I think it was kind of uh, it was just a, the timing uh bruce would have to be the the key word there timing yeah. early 70s late 60s uh-huh. you know the the mood was of such cannabis was this really was coming into its own even in the south yeah from from the last place to ever discover anything new it seems like <laughs> and so i tried cannabis friends of mine uh we smoked together and uh-huh. one thing led to another. I always liked the way it made me feel. And uh-huh. I just liked the camaraderie, the conversation, the creativity. And back in the 70s and 80s, we didn't know about cannabis like we do today. Uh-huh. Thankfully, there has been some research done. Yeah. And enough of, of folks today being really deep dive into the cannabis business. We know medically what it does uh-huh. and how helpful it can be for a lot of people. We didn't know that back then per se, but I think we knew our bodies were telling us and our minds were telling us that this is there's something special here. Mm-hmm. And why is it why why is it even illegal? 
I mean, and that was always very kind of at the forefront. So when I first started and smoking and then somebody would ask me, can you get me some? Can Do you know where I can find some? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can facilitate this. And so it kind of built on that, you know, you, you, you maybe find some product for some friends and the next thing you know, their friends and their friends, you bring all your friends and we're going to find something for you. And I'm the next thing I know, I'm, I'm procuring product. And it started out with a friendly thing. And then of course it grew into what we know today as the gentleman smugglers. And we were running fleets of all types of boats to yeah. make in South America. Yeah. 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 No, I'm just kind of like, what do you feel you, you kind of practically learned in that period, you know, working, working kind of in, in cannabis or, you know, moving cannabis, understanding kind of how it grows, where it grows, who wants it, how to transport it. Like, are, are there practical skills that you learned then that you're applying? I think, now? I think it's, you know, you learn on the job. I can trust you to understand that. You're a climber, you improvise, you learn on the job, and you better be damn flexible. Because when you're on an adventure, which the every trip was, when you're at sea for 10 to 70 days, things can go wrong. And so the, there were a lot of logistics involved, and you had to be very malleable. You had to be able to move quickly and make decisions and have really good people work with you, you know, that, that believed in what they were doing. Because not only were they being paid well, but they're also, it was an adventure. You know, you're on the high seas, you're on a fast sailboat, you're on the DL, you know, you're, you're running without lights at night. You're, you're, you're trying to avoid anyone. And so it's, it's, it's a, it was, it was a great time and it was a, a perfect situation for me and how I was able to work my way into that type of operation. I kind of learned on the fly. I, I probably had some natural abilities mm-hmm. um, uh, to begin with, and it was a, it became it became like running a large company. Yeah. You have hundreds of people work for you, tens of thousands of people depended on you. Yeah. Uh, well, you can imagine if we you took California today, you took California and all states that grow product yep. out of the mix. There's no dispensaries. There's there's the only way you get it is yep. by the gentleman smugglers. And yeah. other groups like us, yeah, we weren't the only ones out there, but of course, but so it was, it became much bigger than I thought it ever would, obviously. And then later in years, like today, and I look back and I tell people about the story and you think about yeah. the, the amounts that we logistically had to um, figure out to get back here and then distribute. Um, it, it was, it was quite a, um, it was quite a feat. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, mean, I look like today and people that. They find the story out. They're youngsters. They're in their twenties or thirties, and they just like, they shake their head and go, "Wow, how did you?" And so it's a lot of product. Yeah, thank you. Yes. So with that in mind, that I've really people in the cannabis business do appreciate the legacy. Yeah. And I found that to be one of the warming things about this business, uh, the legal side, the white business, I call it. Mm-hmm. It's really made me feel good. Um, the reception I've received. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's that's part of the you know the cannabis business that's a beautiful thing. It's, I'd be curious, like giving some more insight. I mean, it's, it, the you know the cannabis world now is is such an amalgam of legacy 
cannabis users, cannabis growers, cultivators. You've got people that are more like geneticists and cultivators are looking at kind of the agriculture side. You've got folks that are looking at the culture side, folks that are looking at the medical side. You have people that are interested in the money, right? Like there's so many different players now in the cannabis space. Like what's what's your take on kind of the group that we have right now running and operating cannabis businesses? Where do you think we are for, you know, strengths and weaknesses wise? Give me some insights. You know, I met a fellow from uh, Mississippi yes, at the M at the M Mbiz show. Yeah, nice guy, old G in his sixties. Mississippi just became legal medically down there, uh-huh. so he and I really connected. You know, here's here's a guy that's that's been in a long time uh, in different factions. So you have a lot of the people in the cannabis business today are from different fields, yeah. different professional fields that have found that. The, the love of a new business. This is an entrepreneurial's dream. Mm-hmm. If you can figure it out, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in the cannabis business. Like you said, it takes all kinds. And so I think one day in the next five years, say, we're going to look back and go, wow, look how it's grown. Look where it is today. Look how many people are employed and making yeah. money and paying taxes and having a job and yeah. doing th- doing something they passionately love. So I think it's it's I think we have some really really smart, intelligent engineers, genetic people, mm-hmm. uh, craft cultivators. It has so many uh, facets to it, like you said, that there's almost a place for everyone. Yeah, in this business, and so that that's exciting in itself. Especially if you go to the expo in Vegas, like we talked about, you see that there. Yeah, it just and and then that's that's like the mecca, yeah. you know, of all the thoughts and the ideas. And the dreams, the machinery, and uh-huh. just everything it takes to make this whole business that's that's really um it's exciting. Yeah. We're gonna take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. Given that you, you spent, I think you said eleven years serving sentence, did you ever think that we would have a conference in Las Vegas with twenty five thousand people on on cannabis? Hell no. <laughs> you know, my biggest hope went back to 1980 when Jimmy Carter was a president. Yeah. He talked about legalizing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Serious about it, but he had some pitfalls that happened to him and it never happened. So, you know, I knew that it, one day it would be, it would become legal. I had no idea looking back at 1980 when Jimmy Carter was around that it was going to take all the way to here we are today with Biden, the president. And uh-huh. we're almost leak. <laughs> almost there. Go ahead. Somebody push us over the edge. Yeah, exactly. So like, please, somebody. Yeah, yeah. it's like, let's get this over with, man. It's driving me crazy. So um, I think that, I think we just got a great, great group of people right now in the cannabis business. Yeah. yeah. And I feel fortunate, and I hope we were looked at as one of those, uh, uh-huh. you know, folks that are trying to do the right thing, you know, we with the last prisoner project. Yeah. So, so tell me what the right thing is. Like, I mean, I, you know, I think one of the fascinating things about cannabis is that it does have this legacy. It does have this history. We do have, you know, people that are incarcerated for cannabis crimes and yet we're, you know, making billions of dollars in each state on this stuff. Like what needs to be kind of addressed, corrected, reconciled to really kind of come to terms with our cannabis history? Well, look how small I am. And I, we give every month to the last prisoner project. They get a certain percentage of our profit. Uh, in the end, 
I think that the big MSO companies need to be, you know, ha- have their feet held to the fire. I mean, yeah. all this needs to be uh, found finding nonprofit areas in each community, each state that you can be helpful with. It could be anything, you know, anything that helps the community. We're giving back as a very small company. These MSOs need to understand that and also be given back. And I think a lot of them do. Yep. And I think that's one of the one of the things that, that makes cannabis business a little bit different as far as how we and a lot of the a lot of the big names think about the community that's involved. And I think that has to continue. I think the states when they collect their tax money need to make sure some of that money goes back to the community, especially mm-hmm. once we're drug war on drugs mm-hmm. caused and still people still going to jail for the plant. Yeah. And so yeah, I like where we're at today and I think we can get better. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think I think the business is going to become more organized. And I, I, I hate to say it, but in a lot of ways, also, corporations are going to be around. You, yeah. you can't. It's just our it's, it's the capitalistic way things yeah. happen. Yeah, we're so, going to we're going to get the Budweiser's and cores of cannabis coming in at some point here. It, of course, that yeah. is happens. Yeah. What walk us through a little bit from, you know, finishing your sentence, kind of getting getting back into the world. And how did you go from there to putting together the, the the current brand of gentlemen smugglers and thinking about the products and actually entering the cannabis industry again. Well, in 95, when I got out of prison, I decided I wanted to go into restaurant business. Okay. I had been in the restaurant business prior here in South Carolina, Charleston in particular, where I started a restaurant. I went to prison. It was still there when I got out. Okay. I decided to open another restaurant. That kept me busy for about three or four years. I've always been in the real estate game and development game from my early days when I had money. I mean, when you have to make a lot of money, yep. you want to do something with it. Yeah, but it's work. And so one of the things I loved was always the real estate game. So that carried me through to around 2010 or 12, and the book came out, Operation Jackpot, written by Jason Ryan. <laughs> and that really kind of started the ball rolling towards the documentary side. How do we make this a film? And those few years up to about 2017, 18, took me, kept me busy with my own business. And then we decided to come in around, maybe do the backdoor style. We were going to do the brand, which would lead us back to the dock. So we kind of changed directions three or four years ago and started working on this brand. It takes a while to come up and and do it right and make it right and, and, and give us our best chance to be successful back to Thomas Cutler and Kevin Harrison, my partners, couldn't do it without them. A lot of research, a lot of time spent uh, analyzing this business. It's a little different, obviously, than the black market that I was in as a smuggler back in the day. Mm-hmm. But there are also a lot of similarities. Yeah, so give us give us some insights there. What what did you find? Like, oh, okay, this this actually works the same, and this this other is like, whoa, this is totally different in the uh, legal market. Well, one thing that is a little different is back in the seventies and eighties. There was not very competitive. It was just there wasn't that much product to be yep. had. So when it was around, it was gone. It was, yeah. it was gone, and yeah. we set the price, and that was it. Today, it's much more competitive. The, the cannabis business is uh, much bigger, uh-huh. much larger. But the similarities, uh, there's uh, money to be made. There's cash. It's kind of gotten away a little bit away from the cash business and mm-hmm. the dispensaries now. They're able to use your debit card or credit card. That's one thing that's helped. Yeah. But if you remember the early days of the legal cannabis business, there was a lot right. of money that cash was out. They said have security. We had cash. 
that's all we had back in the day. Yeah. So early on, some of these dispensaries, and they still do today, have a cash situation going on. We can't, a lot of people, it's hard to bank. The same thing with us back in the day. We we would have to find offshore banks. That's it. Logistics-wise, of course, it was quite a bit of distance between where we started and we procured our product to to get back to the final consumer here. Today, it's a little easier logistically. It's it's much more compact. Mm-hmm. For instance, we worked with Root and Bloom out of Salisbury, Mass. Mm-hmm. The closest dispensary is six or seven miles down the road. Yeah. Most. Not a thousand miles away. <laughs> you know, <laughs> One of the things that we run in today that we didn't back in the 70s and 80s, of course, is packaging. Huh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yes. Because, of course, today we have multitudes of packaging. Oh, yeah. So many options. Yeah. Uh, so many great options. Yep. In my era, in the 70s and 80s, it was wrapped in plastic real well. It was put in a burlap bag, and that's how you got it. Yeah. It was easy. There weren't there wasn't any graphic decisions. There, there you know, there wasn't any size. <laughs> Do we, we go with gray burlap or brown burlap? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'd have been a great idea. Where were you when I needed you? <laughs> Product <Yeah>. innovation. <laughs> Thank you. R and D exactly. So uh, those are some of the differences that that we have today. There's there's much more choice of products today. Oh God, yeah. strains. You know that there's just <laughs> a, what is there a thousand fifteen hundred strains? They got a new name every day. Uh, no, well, yeah. only like two strains when I was really? in business. So that's a big difference today. Is much more complex. Yeah, from the standpoint of the plant itself what it can do, what it represents, what it brings to the table, uh, how it makes you feel, what's, yeah. what is in the cannabis. We've got the scientific breakdown. We have the lab breakdown today. Yeah, and We didn't have any labs back then. And, and I was the lab. You know, I made a decision about what we were going <laughs> to map. You Very did all carefully. the testing? Personally, personally tested everything? Very carefully. I was testing. Yes, personally, of course. So those are some of the differences that, that we have today that that we didn't have and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got, um, I mean, I think the most interesting thing about what you're doing is it's very brand focused, right? You've, you've got this story behind it. It's, you know, there's definitely kind of a, an intrigue. Who, who do you feel like you're really sort of targeting or speaking to like in terms of the customer segment, the type of person that you want consuming gentleman smuggler brand cannabis? That's a good question. Everybody, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I want everyone's money. <laughs> yeah, well, I want everyone to enjoy for sure because yeah. <laughs> it always took a lot of pride in trying to stay with quality. Okay. Uh, and quality, what does that mean? What does that mean well, to you today in today's cannabis is, market? I, yeah, that's that's another good question. What that means to me is a product that's clean, uh-huh. product that's been tested, and a product that suits different consumers. I like to have three or four different uh, strains, uh, and we will, which we'll get to. Uh, uh-huh. We're with two strains right now, but probably we'll end up with four different strains. So it's a little something for everybody. Uh-huh. As you know, it's getting more detailed. It's getting more crafty, oh, yeah. which is good. Um, and, it, and it requires more uh, research on my part as well when I'm buying product in Massachusetts, I might add. And so trying to be premium, trying to have uh, flavor, trying to make sure that that um it's it's very oriented towards that a particular person when you have four yeah. strange you can reach 
your different needs. Yeah. Um, especially the medical side. Yeah. Uh, the reg side, you know, is important, but I think as important or may even more important would be the, the medical side mm-hmm. uh, to me because it's just, um, I noticed that in the early days that people felt better when they smoked cannabis, even though we didn't really know why. Okay, this is good for a stomach problem. This mm-hmm. is good for back pain. This is good for sleep, uh, which we that was one of the first things we found out back yeah. in the day was like cannabis really helped you get a good night's rest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's still true today. So I think you have to be particular about your product and, and, and make sure that who you're buying it from also has the same uh, requirements that they put upon themselves to have a have a good product and have a clean product. Yeah. Um, and so I do that. I'll, I'll be buying a new product here in about two weeks. Um, yeah. I'm excited about that. So, and, and that's the other fun thing. You can change strains. That's you right. know, if this might be a, a banded out, but not a great analogy, but when you go in to buy a pack of Marlboros, you just know exactly what you're getting. It's a pack mm-hmm. of nasty cigarettes. Yeah. But it's you know what you get every time. Yep. If you're buying a, a soda, you're buying a particular kind of food, you know that you what it's going to taste like. And I think somewhere down the line, cannabis is going to be more towards that. Mm-hmm. Exactly what you want is what you're going to get. Yeah. Through research, through um yeah. uh, product development. Yeah, genetics, product development, processing. Correct. I yeah. think genetic genetics genetics are going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, where where do you hope uh, Gentleman Smuggler's brand is going to be in a couple of years? Like, what's success look like for you at this point in the business? Well, I think, you know, when you have a brand, it's right now, to answer that question, which I could, it, I may answer differently in six to eight months from now, but there's been a lot of interest from companies that are in multiple states. The MSOs have shown some interest in the brand because, yep. of course, it's a unique story. Uh, it is one that captures people's attention when they see it. They, Like I said, when they looked at my tag from the expo, gentlemen smugglers. And so with that in mind, I would like to be in different states. And one of the easiest and quickest ways to get in is through an MSO. Uh-huh. It's established. It has its uh, you know tentacles, so to speak, its web uh-huh. and other areas, 50 and 60 dispensaries. Because and it's and, and somebody is more centralized instead of having to subcontract things out, instead of having to go find a packager, find a distributor, find a cultivator, uh, and do that in each state, that requires a lot of energy and money. These MSOs, some of them, and uh they're they're set up to do that. They've already been through that pain and um they've already been through those that process. So I I'm, I would like to one day align myself, the brand, with someone in that that field and that those conversations are ongoing yeah interesting and and what um i guess uh, what role do you want to be playing in all this i mean as obviously, the company grows I, and scales. Yeah, yeah obviously I, I i would never relinquish the role of having a say so <laughs> uh as far as the the most important things and that would be the product yeah uh you know what what does it look like i have to have a certain amount of control over that uh, the the message, uh, the nonprofit side, mm-hmm. uh, who are we giving back to? Those are very important parts that I would never want to give up. Yeah, yeah, Barry, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Gentleman Smugglers, what's the best way to get that information? GentlemanSmugglers.com. You can check us out on there. There's lots of content. There's lots of uh, information about the story. 
of course, you can always read the book. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that's always. And then be on the lookout for sometime probably in 23, uh, probably towards the end of 23. And I'm going on a limb a little bit saying this would probably be something on one of the uh, cable channels about the gentleman smugglers. All right. You heard it. You heard it here. <laughs> I don't want to give it all away here, but that's right. And so uh, that's exciting as well. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll make sure the links and everything in the show notes, and I'll put a link to the book and everything on there so people get more information. It, re- it really is a fascinating story. Obviously, we didn't have time to get into all the details here, but the the um, it's everything a great story needs. <laughs> interesting people, interesting situations, characters. So I highly encourage people to check it out and, and uh, learn more. Catch me if you can. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Mary, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Man, Bruce, I love you so much for what you do and uh, what you bring to the cannabis business. And thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.